The gentleman in the ample white cravat and the shirt frill, taking his brandy and water so pleasantly with his good friend Tulliver, is Mr. Riley, a gentleman with a waxen complexion and fat hands, rather highly educated for an auctioneer and appraiser, but large-hearted enough to show a great deal of bonhomie towards simple country acquaintances of hospitable habits. The conversation had come to a pause. There's a thing I've got in my head, said Mr. Tulliver. Ah, said Mr. Riley. It's a very particular thing. It's about my boy Tom. At the sound of this name, Maggie, who was seated on a low stool close by the fire with a large book open on her lap, looked up eagerly. There were few sounds that roused Maggie when she was dreaming over her book, but Tom's name served as well as the shrillest whistle. You see, I want to put him to a new school at midsummer, said Mr. Tulliver. He's coming away from the academy at Lady Day, but after that I want to send him to a downright good school, where they'll make a scholar of him. Well, said Mr. Riley, there's no greater advantage you can give him than a good education. I believe you, said Mr. Tulliver, turning his head on one side. I shall give Tom an education and put him to a business, as he may make a nest for himself and not want to push me out of mine. This was evidently a point on which Mr. Tulliver felt strongly. Maggie jumped up from her stool, forgetting all about her heavy book, which fell with a bang within the fender, and going up between her father's knees said, Father, Tom wouldn't be naughty to you ever. I know he wouldn't. Mrs. Tulliver was out of the room superintending a choice supper dish, and Mr. Tulliver's heart was touched, so Maggie was not scolded about the book. "'Well, they mustn't say no harm a Tom, eh?' said Mr. Tulliver, looking at Maggie with a twinkling eye. Then in a lower voice, turning to Mr. Riley as though Maggie couldn't hear, "'She understands what one's talking about so as never was, and you should hear her read, straight off, as if she knowed it all beforehand.' She'll read the books and understand them better nor half the folks as a growed up. Mr. Riley shook a little under the application of his pinch of snuff before he said, But your lad's not stupid, is he? I saw him when I was here last, busy making fishing tackle. He seemed quite up to it. Well, he isn't not to say stupid, but he's slow with his tongue, you see, and he reads but poorly. Now what I want is to send him to a school where they'll make him a bit nimble with his tongue and his pen, and make a smart chap of him. You're quite in the right of it, Tulliver. Better spend an extra hundred or two on your son's education than leave it to him in your will. I dare say now you know of a school as it'd be just the thing for Tom. Mr. Riley took a pinch of snuff before he said— I know of a very fine chance for anyone that's got the necessary money, and that's what you have, Tulliver. The fixed inquiring glance with which Mr. Tulliver had been watching his friend's oracular face became quite eager. He's an Oxford man, said Mr. Riley sententiously, looking at Mr. Tulliver to observe the effect of this stimulating information. What? Parson? said Mr. Tulliver, rather doubtfully. Yes, and an M.A. He's fond of teaching, and wishes to keep up his studies, and a clergyman has but little opportunity for that in his parochial duties. He's willing to take one or two boys as pupils. They'd be quite of the family, the finest thing in the world for them, under Stelling's eye continually.
"'And what money do you want?' said Mr. Tulliver, whose instinct told him that the services of this admirable M.A. would bear a high price. "'I've no doubt he'd take your boy at a hundred, and that's what you wouldn't get many other clergymen to do. I'll write to him about it, if you like.' Mr. Tulliver rubbed his knees and looked at the carpet in a meditative manner. "'But belike he's a bachelor.' observed Mrs. Tulliver, who was now in her place again, and I've no opinion of housekeepers. I hope you won't think of it, Mr. Tulliver. You may set your mind at rest on that score, Mrs. Tulliver, said Mr. Riley, for Sterling is married to as nice a little woman as any man need wish for a wife. If I were you, I think I would enter on the subject with Sterling at once. There's no necessity for sending the boy before midsummer, but I would be on the safe side and make sure that nobody forestalls you. Aye, there's so much of that, said Mr. Tulliver.